0: Welcome to season two of the one and done podcast, where we are dedicated to making young people successful in business early in life. We're recording today from the Rollo insurance studio in college station, Texas. Let's get it started. All right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the one and done podcast, episode 31, uh, take number two. Now we have the record on, so we can we can go from here. But I have my guys, Nomon and I'm on from Tipx, co-founders. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jackson. Yeah, thank
1: you appreciate
0: it. Absolutely excited to have you guys in, College Station guys, so we can get in here in the studio, get some good audio for the listeners. Uh, tell me about Tipx. Let's start there. I want to learn more about the business.
1: Yeah, so Tipx is a web application for customer service recognition and contactless gratuity. Our mission is to help customer service employees be recognized and appreciated in the workspace. And so the way that we kind of came up with the idea was Noman and I have been in entrepreneurship maybe for the last three and a half years, myself being a student, but Noman transitioning to it full time. We had two early stage ideas that we tried and actually failed at. And so we transitioned to this third idea, which was TipX. And the idea originally came from working during the pandemic in hospitality. Through my family business, I had to spend time talking to customer service agents for two to three hours, trying to learn specific things. And... When you're doing that, you know, your first expectation on one of the side of the lines is, you know, I have to talk to this customer service person that doesn't have any knowledge and it's just going to leave me on hold. And, you know, you're already having a negative reaction to it. But when I had this one call with somebody on the other line for my OTAs, They actually spent about three and a half hours teaching me everything I needed to know about the business. And I've never had an experience with an individual like that before. And I felt it was so personalized and so easy to talk to that it kind of caught me off guard of how good of an experience I had. And so I thought of like, you know, I did the survey, I answered the questions, but there wasn't really... Much I could do from a consumer's perspective to show my appreciation to the specific individual for spending three hours with me. And so, I, through trial and error, you know, Noman and I try to get into the call service business of trying to help them get tips but then we realized it was just not working out and the process was a lot sh- harder than it really was. So we transitioned to hospitality and to other segments like that.
2: Yeah. And I think one of the biggest challenges specifically with call centers is, is actually locating and finding someone would, you know, one to, to actually <laughs> finding a call center, physically <laughs> trying to find a call center, right? Cause you have some that are in the States, but obviously a lot of them are, are outsourced, right? So it's like finding the person behind the operation was the biggest challenge. And, you know, for us, we thought, you know, what you know, what better way to kind of pivot than you know go directly to brick and mortar? You know, there is a, a larger opportunity, a larger reach to make that you know connection on a on an individual basis, you know, right in front of us. So,
0: yeah. So the tool, then,
2: uh, just to clarify, is a tip tool for customer service individuals, right? And so, what we mean by customer service, right? We mean you know any particular industry with an employee you know, that has a service component, you know, whether that be at a restaurant or your interaction at a, you know, front desk at the hotel or, you know, the, the, the valet attendant or car wash attendant that's washing your car. Um, so initially that's where the concept came from is, you know, contactless tipping specifically for, for service employees through the use of QR code technology.
0: So did the contactless tipping start with COVID? I'm assuming
1: that is correct so when we originally started the idea you know we obviously saw that there was Venmo and there was cash app so the first thing we did was wanted to see if anyone was willing to leave a tip in form of digital you know funds and so we put a QR code up at the hotel and we didn't get anything and then we finally got one tip from somebody who left us a five dollar tip for our front desk agent um, using Venmo and by doing that we saw that people were willing to leave the tips but what we realized was that some people don't have Venmo Some people don't have cash apps They do have their own Apple wallet though Or they do have their own Google wallet That their credit cards are already saved on So we transitioned out of Venmo And realized that you know we can't only acquire those kind of clients we have to try to get everybody involved and so we went through the digital aspect of trying it on squarespace it failed then we finally transitioned to shopify and that's where our first version came out of and now we're you know thankfully enough our second version will be out in the summer and it'll be our own back end and our own system to weigh the things that we wanted to right
2: work. and really since the inception of you know when we initially launched our mvps or our minimum viable product it's really been an evolution of you know where it's started, you know, from our Venmo, uh, you know, account to, you know, where it is now. And so right now we have ability for people to use, you know, various contactless payment options like Apple Pay or Google Pay. Um, so it really, through our journey, it's, it's been an evolution, not just from our, our product standpoint, but also, you know, how we're choosing to scale the business as well.
0: Yeah and I want to get into kind of some future plans for it as well as maybe some of the uh, innovation that you guys saw that that's going on in the tipping industry with people not having cash and things like that I want to get to that but uh, let the listeners get to know you guys individually tell them kind of who you are where you came from where you're at in life Uh, I know I know obviously you Mm -hmm. know one of you is getting done with school which is all (laughs) which
1: everyone's gonna be pumped up for you about so tell everyone about y'all's background. Yeah so for me you know I'm born and raised in College Station Texas I've been here about 18 years been in the you know, brick and mortar business for such a long time with my folks. I actually just finished my last day of college today. I took my last final exam uh, from the University of Texas at Austin. Well, we'll forgive you for that. I'm <laughs> Yeah. But uh, that being said, uh, you know, I'll be graduating in management entrepreneurship. And, you know, it's just in a time in my life where I can finally, you know, put the books away and get to the real work. I finally have the time to be able to pursue this venture full time and not have to worry about missing an exam or a paper. Because as our business was growing, you know, my assignments weren't getting turned in. And there was a lot of emails saying, hey, you know, can I get extended? Can I get extended? But being a student founder... I found the the, the lifestyle to be able to do both by just being honest with my professors and letting them know that I'm building a business from scratch. And by just doing that, you get so much more, you know, comfort and so much more respect from your professors that I was able to proceed successfully in school and the business. Yeah, I mean, you should right? business entrepreneurship. If you
0: (laughs) tell them you're starting a business and they're mad at you, something doesn't make sense there.
1: You're absolutely right. Exactly. So choosing that sector, it, it worked for both best of both
2: worlds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, similar to Amon, I'm born and raised in, in Brian College station. So native to Aggieland here. Um, but I took a little bit of a different direction and, and did my undergrad at Emory university. So that's based out of Atlanta, Georgia, you know, got my degree in finance and, you know, did two years in, in investment banking, you know, two years after graduating. And, you know, so for, for me in that space, I was primarily working with you know small to medium-sized business owners through mergers and acquisitions you know through capital raising activities so you know helping them to get financing on deals to help them expand expand their operations and so yeah i would say a lot of you know the the entrepreneurship drive and and you know the reason for for getting into that you know entrepreneurship space is honestly w- witnessing that firsthand right seeing the opportunity to, to financial freedom but also seeing you know the impact that you can create within an organization that you know is definitely you know, it inspired a lot of, uh, of motivation to to take that route. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of where we are, where we're here today. So, yeah, and the business is growing,
0: is, is doing really good. Uh, we'll get to that. So, tell me about the partnership a little bit. You know, tell me about y'all's relationship, how you guys got to know each other, how y'all built this business. Um, I think that's very interesting. And then tell me about the dynamic as well. You know, who's who's in charge of what in the business?
1: Yeah, so. Me and Noman are actually cousins. Uh, we grew up together for a long time, went to the same middle school, same high school. And you know, I always had been following Noman's footsteps for so long, uh, you know, whether it was sports. But more importantly, Noman and I were, you know uh amazing friends or more family members on call of duty i think that was where our relationship really grew is that we were so focused on boosting and getting nukes and making sure that each of us were good at the game that we learned how to you know cooperate together and now we're here doing the same thing trying to strategize how we're going to get our product to market you know how are we going to make sure we're successful we scale you know we're, we're doing the right funding and so that relationship has just grown through the years. And, you know, no one being a mentor, making sure I'm doing well in college before the idea even came. Uh, you know, our entrepreneurship journey just kind of intertwined together. And now it's older cousin, younger cousin trying to change the world. Yeah. Family
2: yeah. members building a business now.
1: So and I, I think a lot of our kind of dynamic and, and relationship
2: and the way that you know we work, I think it's it's definitely helped us to get to, get to where we are today. Right. I think I'm on. I would say, tends to be a little bit more outspoken than I am. (laughs) Uh, But, um, you know, at times there are plenty of times where, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate and, and, you know, trying to be the, uh, be the one that kind of looks at things from a strategic perspective and say, Hey, you know, is this the the route that we want to take? But I think we, we feed off of each other pretty well. And, and we, you know, the the more more important thing is that we, we push each other a lot and, 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 you know, help each other become better. So do you guys have like specific roles within the company right now? Do you have specific verticals you work in or, or how do you, how do you make sure you're not stepping on each other's toes, but you're moving the business forward? Yeah, and no, uh, you know, and, and I play sort of co-founder roles, but you know, uh, you know, from a title perspective, Amon is you know playing the role of a CEO, and I'm the, the role of a CEO, COO. Um, and right now, given that we are an early stage startup. You know, our, our roles and, and responsibilities are combined and, and often tend to be the same, you know, whether that's responding to an email to a prospective client or, you know, uh, following up with our, with our internal team members to make sure the tasks are done. Um, but I, I'd say Aman is, you know, just being at the you know, University of Texas at Austin has played a more you know role in, in terms of marketing tip backs and marketing, you know, the 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 vision of TipX as you know, in, in terms of my role, uh, helping him guide what that looks like, you know what the messaging is, and and you know how, how we can portray that to the broader market as well. Yeah.
1: And just to piggyback off of that, you know, being the student, I had a little bit more of the spotlight as the CEO because we were using all the funds that we could from the university to help support our product and get us to where we needed to be. And, you know, this was a great opportunity on this podcast to be sitting next to my co-founder, because when I was at the university, I always had to just be me and just physically talk, you know, talk about Nomon in general. And then one really got to meet Nomon. So this was a a good opportunity Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, to be able for us to work together and be co founders together and that's where our dynamic was was no one was doing all the financial work on the back end and i was the outspoken one talking about the product selling the product and doing all those
0: kind of. Things. so as we kind of you know try to tailor this to the the student listener um what what type of industry is this so whenever they hear you talking about you know flexibility and freedom and and using the the resources and all the all the stuff that y'all have done to make the business successful as it is today what what do they need to un, what do they need to think of this business as
2: yeah you know if, you know if we're going to put a label on it, right? And just thinking about this, the startup world and industry, right? You know, we think of ourselves as a B2B SaaS company. So that means, you know, the way that our business model is structured, right, is that with our service, we're selling our product directly to another business owner, right? Um, so the way that we operate, right, is that we form partnerships directly with the business and the employers, you know, that we connect with, right? But if you think about who's, you know, getting the value, that's something that we often, you know, Brainstorm and, and making sure that you know we're delivering value to everyone involved in our in our market, right? So you have the person that's tipping, right? You, you have the business that we're directly partnering with, the employer, and then also the employee who receives you know the main benefit, right? Um, so when you think about our industry, B two B SaaS, they're definitely you know. You know, we're selling directly to the business, but there are multiple constituents involved that play a key component in, in figure, helping us figure out, you know, what value that we're delivering through our product.
0: So let me so let me interject in a moment. I want you to get to your, your feedback on this. So if I'm a student, right, and I hear, you know, okay, obviously the tech world, um, this is a really good idea. Maybe I have an idea like this myself. Um how how would someone go about doing something like this? Because the technology industry, if you don't have a background in you know computer engineering or programming or something, seems like an industry you want to stay away from right? <laughs> because you don't have any knowledge of it. Um, do you guys have a background in the computer programming or engineering and have you used that to your benefit or have you had to you know kind of go out and find somebody to help you out with that side of the business?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question because the first thing that when somebody thinks of idea, they always just think about the product or the tech behind it. But what you need to understand is that the mistake that we were about to do was build our product before even having our own customer discovery process or having any clients that were verbally say, hey, I will use your product if you build this out. So Noman, kind of being the mentor that he was, told me, hey, this is a good idea, but we can't just go in and jump into building a product because we're going to build what we assume we think the market will react to rather than just going with what we have and getting the real reaction from it. So that being said, after creating the idea, the first thing we started off with was with Google document me and no shared it between each other this is like a 30 to 45 page document of links that has to do with tipping customer service you know different ideas that our people are doing today to bring product to the idea that we're trying to solve you know competitors analysis just any type of thing that was related to tipping and customer service is in that document and we put in our own notes. We saw that, like, you know, what was matching, what was not. And then what we did was we created a small mock up, which originally we tried was Venmo that failed, right? So then our second idea was try Squarespace. So I actually went back to my high school and I was like, hey, can we try this in the concession stands? Will parents leave tips or leave donations for students who are working at the concession stands? We tried that and it actually worked a little bit. We had one or two tips that came in, but it showed that people were willing to use the process. Then we had to up and up a little bit. And with no technical background, you can look for no code. You can look for Shopify, Wix.com, all these different ideas or different products that provide you that service. So we went ahead and just transitioned to Shopify. And since then is what we've been building our business off of is a Shopify account, bringing in the tips, taking care of anything, and then using Google Excel, using Google Forms to create that process. So kind of going back to your question, it's like, you just need to try the idea at where it is today then to try to build what you think is going to be valuable next year because next year won't be the same as if it was today. So you just have to take what you have today and just share it with somebody and it's up to you to pitch it, you know, it's up to you to understand what you're selling because they don't know your curriculum. They don't know like what you're, you know, compared to school terms, right? They don't know what the exam is or what the review is about. All they know is what you're sharing them. Yeah. So taking that into consideration. I think that's a really
0: good point from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, entrepreneurship really at its core is problem solution, right? Most there's a problem in the world. I got a solution to it. Uh, And sometimes the tech industry in specific, you kind of people stay away from that maybe uh when they i mean everything's revolving around tech nowadays but what you're saying is hey we found a problem we found what we think is a solution and we just started building off of where that was today we allowed the tech to be a piece of it but not the main piece of this cuz like you said you have three other you have three you know real customers the business owner the employee and the the tipper and so the technology is really only going to affect one of them uh, it's only going to affect the person tipping. So your your proposition and your values was more important because it affected sixty six point seven percent of who your target audience
2: is. Right. Yeah. And I think the most important thing, you know, kind of going back to what Amon mentioned, right, is identifying if the need is actually real. Right. Well, I think what's helped us is, you know, go talk talk to your potential customers. Right. Amon and I would literally walk into you know retail stores or you know even cold call front you know desk agents asking them to set up interviews. Right. I think you know a lot of people kind of forget or or forego the, the dirty work that has to be done in order to validate your idea and, and actually bring it to life, right? So I think, you know, for for college students or, or even young entrepreneurs wanting to start a business, you know, I think the, the number one important thing to do is, you know, talk to your potential customer rather than kind of, you know, brainstorming it and obviously having some sort of structure there. But, you know, the, the important thing is to validate your idea, talk to customers and, you know, make it happen. And if we're going to fail, fail fast. Cause at you know, at the end of the day, you know, you are on a ticking time bomb here and, and the faster that you can prove that out, the, the better off that you'll be. So.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of go with that when he says student, right? Like your biggest asset that you can play right now is I'm a student, uh, you reach out to your customer discovery clients. Like People are like, man, but they're not going to respond. I'm like a nobody. You're a somebody. You're a student at a university. You're a student at a university working on a customer discovery project or you're a student working on a startup that you'd like to get a few questions answered for. One of the best pieces of advice that I received was when you go to these people, when you ask for money, you get advice. But when you ask for advice, you get money. So use that as your perspective when you're going to these people because the advice is where the dollars will come. You just have to make sure you play your cards right.
0: One thing I always try to do whenever I bring on partners or co-founders or whatever is to try and maybe ask some questions that I didn't ask the last group. So where do you guys see y'all's business going? Where is y'all's business going to go? Because I know with two minds, sometimes one of you (laughs) might think this way, the other one might think that way. How have you guys overcome that battle of having your own visions to make one vision for the business and where do y'all see y'all self going in the future?
1: It's just the results that we get in, you know, they're, like you said, me and no have two different minds. Right. But we let the results pre- like portray who's right and who's wrong. You know, and sometimes Noman and I have a disagreement. We're like, all right, we'll do this way and we'll see the reaction that we get and we'll do the other way because it's about providing the data. You know, one thing I also learned was, you know, you always want to trust your gut feeling. Right. But when you have some data backed up behind that, it's just a lot more, you know it's a lot more of a better approach to be able to push your product or push where your idea needs to go and how it needs to work so looking at the data overall but you know it's a long game here is that for us we're going to big franchises big companies that you know they don't have one property they have hundreds of properties so it's making sure that you know we get ourselves to the door and at least test pilot two to three of those properties make sure that they work and then roll out to the entire country you know one of our best clients right now is actually Hilton corporate out of Austin. We called the front desk. We pitched the student card, and we landed a meeting with them. And then they ghosted us for six months. And they call me back on a random July day and was like, "Hey, are you guys still pursuing Tipex?" They're like, "I'm like, yeah, we definitely are." It's like, "Well, we'd love to try it out." So we got approved by the innovations officer of Hilton to test pilot a student ran project. And now we're in two of their locations in downtown Austin. And how are those performing? They're, you want to go? Yeah, <laughs> no, I
2: think you know, for the most part, you know, we've been getting you know, you know, tips every week. Or- or every other week, and you know, right now it's it's you know it's been about five to six months since we've piloted with them, and so for us it's about monitoring you know what you know what is happening on a weekly basis, but also what can we be doing as a business to increase that traction, right? So there are a lot of variables that you know play that that may or you know may inhibit the ability to to see that traction, whether it's you know maybe it was a slow day at the hotel, maybe you know the visibility of the QR codes could be in a better position. So Mon and I are constantly you know, looking at things from that strategic perspective and saying, Hey, you know, what can we do to improve and optimize that, you know, a better customer experience.
0: So what is the most difficult thing of being an entrepreneur? You know, cause, and let me give you some background for the listeners. They hear multiple entrepreneurs. I think you guys are uh, 31 episodes, at least 10 of them probably have been entrepreneurs. Um, They all come in here, they're making money by that point, right, and they're happy, Uh, and that's what the students hear. But I think it's important for them to know, you know, when you're going through this, sometimes decisions that you would think, hey, is that really work? Like, is that what I get paid for are the decisions that make you a
2: lot more money at the end of the day. So for you guys, what's the hardest part of being an entrepreneur? I think one of the biggest, at least for me, uh, you know, one of the biggest things about, you know, being an entrepreneur, one of the hardest and and toughest challenges every day is just being optimistic and, and positive about you know the the actions that you're taking right i think one of the the challenges that we face is you know making sure that every decision that we make is is one that's you know backed by confidence but for us you know it's 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 tough when you're put into a situation where you're you get rejected or every day in terms of you know we don't hear back from someone who's interested in using our product or you know, we send out an email that doesn't get a response and, you know, having to constantly follow up. And so, you know, the the challenge there is making sure that, you know, it, it doesn't get to your head, right? It, one of the things that of, of being an entrepreneur is to being able to take that, uh, you know, being able to take criticism, being able to, to stay positive and, and you know, having that mindset of, you know, it's, it's you know, we received a hundred no's, but there are a million other people that are out there that we haven't even touched. So you know, getting into that mindset of, you know, staying positive and, and not letting you know small things like that get in the way.
1: Yeah, and, and also to piggyback off of Noman is like the security aspect is that when people pursue entrepreneurship, you know, like you said, a lot of these people that you have on the show are pretty much have done the, their whole career, right? I'm at the beginning of my entrepreneurship career and the, the, the security of, you know, not having that big time job or working for some big company you know i'm representing myself my own credibility is who i appreciate myself every day as a founder as a ceo you know and, and having that young um, attitude is where the negativity can come into because people don't take you seriously people still think that you're a kid that you don't know much but a lot of entrepreneurs today are in my you know are my age uh, just to kind of give an example, I had a friend of mine in Austin who's built two companies during his time at college and he just sold his second one to Ibiza for a multi-million dollar deal and now he's going to go to work for Google for fun. But that being said, it's like he bet he played against all the odds. He was literally a multimillionaire right before he even graduated college. So that excuse of I, you know, I'm i in college, I can't do it. You know, that's not it. It's the mental aspect of it. So ment- mentally is like the mental thinking is the hardest thing to overcome because your student and your founder, you have double the hats that you have to wear. But it's about what the payoff is after. You're a founder, but you also just graduated graduated at a top university. Your credibility just exploded by just getting both of those things. And then kind of asking you, you know, what what do you think is the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur?
0: Yeah, I would just say it's, it's constantly analyzing where you're at. You guys, obviously, you're always trying to get better, but it's at that point whenever you have maybe made enough money or you're comfortable um, or you know your your product is out there and you're now in a thousand businesses. It's the now what that's the tough part. I think um, there has to be something next. There has to be an addition to an edit, uh, maybe a new project or maybe a you know a second vertical that's in the same business. Whatever you have to co- constantly be evaluating where you at compared to the market because the moment you think okay hey we've arrived, unless you're an Apple or a Google or someone who's so big that they really don't have competition anymore. Um, you're going to you're going to slip. You're going to have someone who passes you because you know you guys are creating uh, you know a company where there is a little bit of other competition. But hopefully you are thinking, hey, we see what's out there. We're willing to make it better, and therefore people are going to want to work with us and not them. And so if you're not ever paying attention, you can be like those other companies maybe who are not making themselves better. And next thing you know, there's a startup in your industry who's doing it better than you are. So I think just staying on top of it, uh, and then also just realizing that you are in the less than one percent of America. Who is going to take the risk to receive that reward of being an entrepreneur at the end of the day to, you know, make a multimillion dollar deal and to work for Google for fun. Like that's the kind of thing entrepreneurs can do, um, but you have to work for it. And so it's the time between when you start and the day that you get there that most people are not willing to put the put the work in and, and to be confident enough in it. So I think that's a very difficult thing. A lot of times, but I love starting in college because it, there's really low risk, right? Definitely. If it doesn't work, you can get a job. That's what you're going to college for, anyways. If it does work, you're building yourself a job when you get out. So at, at 27 and 22, is that correct on the ages? 27, yes. 27, yeah. About that for a moment. 27, yeah. So <laughs> I asked my wife last night. I was like, I'm like forgetting my own age too. So 27 and 22, you guys have built a, a a very good business. It obviously has a very bright future. What What would your recommendation be? What would your advice be to a student who is thinking about entrepreneurship
2: as we kind of close today's episode? One piece of advice, um, is to, you know, really get out of your comfort zone, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, you know, it's, it is, you know, very scary and, 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 you know, for, for intimidating for people wanting to start their own business or, or being entrepreneurs, but, you know, one one trick that I think that's helped me personally, uh, you know, just get out of that comfort zone is, you know, pretend everyone like you're you're you new that you meet or that you're talking to is an Uber or Lyft driver. Um, you know, it, you, you, you kind of want to start the conversation and, and think about it from that perspective. Right. It's like, hey, how are you? You know, how you know, where are you from? You know, how did you get here? So just things, you know, it's just simple things like that that can get you to to really not only you know have that conversation, but also understand where where people are coming from so piece of advice is to approach every conversation as if you know you're you're a new in an uber
1: yeah and for me just coming out of college what you need to understand is like oh i don't have the money or oh i don't have the time or oh you know i'm just a kid it's not like that you need to be able to put yourself at a higher pedestal and higher expectations and see the results come and as as a student, you know you need to look for every piece of help you can get from your own university. There are entrepreneurship hubs, there are grants. You know, a lot there, of resources. There's there. a lot of resources, and the only person that's stopping you from doing that is yourself. And also, you know, go to these coffee shops. Go or go to these like networking events that people are hosting. The startup community is amazing. You meet so many people doing so many different things that you could just learn so much by just grabbing a coffee with them. And that is where you start your journey. You also, you know when you're working with other founders as well, they are going to be some that are plenty ahead of you and some that are behind you. But you have to understand is you need to know where you are today, not where they are, not where somebody else is, where you are today and how you can make yourself better the next day. If you've accomplished your, your goals for the day, then you've already won than what you did yesterday. So you as a student have to just tell yourself like, I have nothing to lose. I'm at a university. I'm studying a specific topic that I'm going to graduate in. That's already set in stone. But creating your startup, you could get funded tomorrow. You could get funded the day before your graduation. You could get funded three years after you started your idea, right? So the only way to get to those any of that is you have to start. And my last piece of advice is that when you create that idea and you think of it, just write it down. Because when you write it down, then at least you know where it is and you can reread it again. And that's how me and Nomad started our journey. We started with the Google Doc with just a bunch of ideas and a bunch of information. And now we are here where we are today. Yeah. And I want to end it with that piece of advice, too. You have to do things different.
0: If you're not going to do it different, then you're going to be the same student who goes to school who gets a probably a good job. um, But you're not going to separate yourself. So, you know, kind of what you were saying, you have to be able to be different. You have to uh, separate yourself from other people. Cause if not, I mean, you see what normal people are in America. I mean, it's, it's a good life, but mm-hmm. if you're looking to build something for yourself, entrepreneurship is definitely the way to go. So guys, thank y'all so much for coming in today. I appreciate y'all joining the one and done podcast and look forward to, uh, talking to again soon. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to rate our podcast and leave a review. Also, make sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at One and Done Podcast.